0: If you have your Bibles with you, turn to John chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. If you're using a smartphone, places like Bible Gateway take you to the text very easily. We're looking at the English standard version, the ESV. If you look at the inserts that we put in your programs with a little outline, we also have the text at the top of it there. We're in the year 2020, we're talking about having a 2020 vision and In particular, we're talking about praying for three people, finding three people in our life that we'd like to lift them before God, especially people who maybe are struggling in their faith or don't have a faith that we want to reach out to. talking about inviting two people, bringing two people to, to church or to an activity that we have to meet some of our Christian friends so that we're bringing Christ to people. And then especially the bringing, being with someone and making that very personal connection. And the reason we do that is not because we're trying to grow a church or grow a ministry. It's because we care about individuals and we believe and we know that Jesus has made a difference in our lives and we want to share that with others. We want to share the relationship with others that's become so special to us. If you think about other parts of our lives, that is a common occurrence. If there's something that matters... And we have people we love, we want to share it with them. I often say it's sort of like a restaurant. You find a good restaurant that you really enjoy, you want to share that restaurant with your friends. Well, more so our faith in Jesus and the way in which Christ makes a difference in our lives. We have so many people that we know that that are hungering and, and are feeling a sense of, why am I here? And we have the answer. We're here to glorify God, to to do God's work in this world, to experience the forgiveness that we can finally let go of things and move on with our lives. And all of that comes in our relationship with Christ, and so we invite you to be praying for and thinking about who to reach out to. This morning's passage is a time in which Jesus is teaching, and I'd like to read through the passage, and then we'll go back and we'll look at it. It has to do with our ability or our inability to listen, depending on how you want to think about it. I think often we have an inability to listen. I'm going to start reading a ways into verse 31, where Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We're offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say you will become free? Well, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. But if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you know that you are offspring to Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. As I read the text, and as I think of why I chose it as we're continuing to looking at texts for the beginning of the year, it really all comes down to listening. Listening is a hard thing to do. To really pay attention into to listen to others is a struggle for many people. And there's a lot of reasons for that. So I thought as I was preparing this text of some of the things that I've heard about listening over the years. One of them certainly was Jesus' own words to his disciples and to people who he would talk to when he said, He who has ears, let him hear. In other words, if we have ears, we maybe aren't listening, but we need to learn to listen. My coach, Coach Growth, who was my basketball coach when I was in high school, used to say it a little differently he would look at me and he would say, Cushing, take the cotton out of your ears and stick it in your mouth. (laughs) Same ideas. We get distracted, don't we? We have a lot of things we focus on as opposed to focusing on the things that we should. Regina, when the boys were young, and I'm sure she'll eventually say the same words to her little granddaughter, used to say, put your listening ears on. It's all that same idea, that we get distracted when we don't listen and we have a hard time paying attention. I think of the new law that's going into place here in Massachusetts, and I believe it's, isn't it a week from today or a week from tomorrow that it finally goes into place, and it's the cell phone law. Because we know as a state, and we find this all across the country, that people are so distracted that they're even distracted when they're driving. And I'm sure you've seen it with others, but of course we don't always look at our own foibles. We see it with others, but it's true of so many. So much so that when the new law goes into place, even if you touch your cell phone in the car, if you're stopped at a stoplight and uh, somebody sees you or a police officer looks over and sees you even touch the cell phone, it's a $100 fine. If you do it a second time, it's a $500 fine, and you get to take a class. How fun is that? You get to go back to school and take a class on learning not to be a distracted driver. You see, we know as a society, people have a hard time paying attention, and that not only is paying attention when we drive, it's also got to do with listening, paying attention and listening to someone else. So we do all kinds of things to try to help people learn to listen, and we describe what real listening is like. I read an editorial this last week that I thought was interesting as I was preparing for this message, and it was a woman who said, In 2005, I sat opposite someone at a dinner party who spent much of the evening looking at her phone under the table, (coughs) sending messages and smiling to herself. I was amazed at her rudeness. A month or so later, I sat near a politician in a restaurant. He was with a woman, but they weren't speaking. Instead, they spent the whole evening looking at their phones. I found their behavior fascinating and peculiar. Now she comes to today. Fifteen years later, the preference for phones over humans is unfortunately normal. See what we've done? We become so distracted in our behavior that we don't know how to listen. We don't know how to listen to our spouses. We don't know how to listen to our parents. We don't know how to listen to our children. And this morning's text, if you look at it, it's all about listening. And Jesus is basically saying the same thing to people 2,000 years ago as we need to hear today. That in order to listen, we need to learn to pay attention and we need to be able to absorb what someone else is saying. Our text is fascinating because it comes to Jesus talking about religious people after they just saw something amazing. We probably all know the story of the woman who's caught in adultery. The woman is caught in adultery and all the religious people are around and they're saying, stone the woman. And along comes Jesus and he doesn't do that. He offers grace and forgiveness. And he says, woman, I forgive you. It begins by saying, you know, let anybody who's never done anything wrong be the pers- first person to pick up a stone. And, of course, everybody has done wrong, and probably many of the ones who were there had done the same thing that this woman was being accused of that day. And then, having forgiven her, he sends her on his way, and then the text tells us that now Jesus is talking to people who all of a sudden believe, but they really haven't had a change in their life because they're still religious people. And that's what we can become like sometimes. We sort of see who Jesus is. We understand the grace and the forgiveness. Maybe we've experienced that grace and forgiveness ourselves, but we've never gone deeper. We've never gone to the point to where Christ really changes our lives completely. So what's happening here is these are people who, although they have some faith, and the Bible says to us that they've learned to trust, they really have not yet absorbed who Jesus is and had a relationship with him to the point of where their lives have really been changed. Because without really listening to Jesus, what can we expect? because if we get just caught up in our own thinking, we can justify anything. Every single one of us, if we just continue to do nothing but our own thoughts, Richard Rohr says, we're addicted to our thoughts. We think the way that we think is the best way, and Jesus is inviting us to do something else, to go deeper, to realize when we see things like him forgiving this woman, that those very same ways of Viewing life can now become our ways of viewing life as we really establish a relationship with Jesus. Amen? It's a deeper relationship. But it begins by listening, by hearing what Jesus has to say to us. And we know where to turn. The first place we turn is in the Scriptures, to see the stories, to read the Gospels, to hear about Jesus' life and how he lived. In our text, Jesus puts it this way in verse 31. He says, if you abide in in my words, you are truly my disciples. See, if you abide in my words, if you really hear what I have to say, if you really learn to view life differently and take on my perspective and my way of offering grace and forgiveness to yourself and towards others and learning to turn over things to God, you truly become my disciple. Learning to listen takes work. And then listening takes work. It doesn't come natural. Our natural thing is to think about ourselves. I love talking to high school kids who walk into a room and think everybody's thinking about them. I go, They're not thinking about you. They're all thinking about themselves because that's what we do. It doesn't matter if you're talking about high school kids or any age. We start imagining all kinds of stuff in our minds, and we get ourselves distracted, or we took to our little me machines, our iPhones, or whatever we have, and we get concentrated, and we just miss the stuff that's right in front of us. Somebody sent me an article to begin 2020, and it was called, Five Disruptive Trends for 2020. And one of them, and I love this, is that focus is the new superpower. That we are so distracted as a society, we are so unable to listen and pay attention, that people who actually are able to pay attention and listen and learn will have the inability to impact change that nobody else will. So if you're a parent and you're frustrated with your children and you don't feel like you're having impact on your children, set down the phone and start listening and paying attention. If you're frustrated in another relationship and you're wondering how can I have any kind of impact and influence in this relationship, instead of looking at the other person constantly, we're asked to look at ourselves and say, am I really listening? Am I really paying attention? And then, most importantly, when we're looking at a relationship with God, are we listening? Are we taking time to read the scripture and to pray Are we starting our day on our knees and ending on our day on our knees, beginning with a prayer like, Lord, guide my day today. And at the end of the day, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Regina and I heard that a number of years ago, and we absolutely make sure every single day we begin our day and we end our day with prayer. The first things we say to each other and the last things we say to each other are our prayers that we pray to God. And then in between, we are far from perfect, but we seek to try to Bring Christ into everything and build that relationship with Jesus so we get to know him better and get to know how Christ wants us to live our lives. That's why I say we must all ask ourselves a question. Am I focused so I really listen to Jesus? Is my faith about my preconceived notions of how I think life should be and how everybody else should change and conform to my thoughts? Or am I able to take this first century peasant... God becoming human, a person who I can almost dismiss if I just look at the divinity and feel like, oh, whoa, I can't have anything to do with him, but to absorb myself in who he is so I start realizing that I can have a genuine relationship, that I can be with him at every moment in the day and have a conversation with him and bring him into my life so that my decisions are affected by who he is. Jesus actually helps to show us how to listen to his words. He doesn't just say, oh, just do it. He actually says it in our text when he says, and I read it again, if you abide in my word. The word abide is the word meno. It's a Greek word that's used for a branch that abides in a tree. Get the idea? You have a tree, and the branch is actually in the tree, and therefore it's receiving nourishment from it. It's also used for living in a home, that you abide in a home and you're actually there and you go there during the day, you sleep there at night, you eat your meals there. Where we abide determines the kind of disciples we will become. If I abide in negative thinking, I'm going to be a negative thinking disciple of Jesus. If I abide in my cell phone, I'm going to be a cell phone follower of Jesus and there won't be much depth to my life. If I abide in MSNBC and CNN and Fox News and I'm constantly nothing more than upset by the political scene and the divisiveness in our society, that's the kind of Christian and follower of Jesus I'm going to be. But Jesus invites us differently to abide in him, to listen to his words, to find a different way to live our lives so that he becomes who we listen to. Jesus wants us to be disciples who learn to abide and therefore really listen. That's why I often ask the question, what do, we, what do we worry about our children or our grandchildren or our nieces and nephews? What do we worry about for them? Do we really worry that they're going to make bad choices? Kind of, but it really goes earlier than that. Do we really worry that, that they're going to get into trouble? Yeah, probably, but it actually starts earlier than that. What we really worry about is where they abide, who their friends are who they're influenced by, who they hang around with. Because we all are smart enough to know that where a person hangs out and where a person gets their information and way of living is going to determine the type of person that they are. You know, we have gangs in our country, they don't, they don't offer classes. You don't get to go to a class to learn how to be in gang. It's not like they have 101 and 202 and and you get to go to these classes to become a member of a gang. No, they're smart enough to know. All I have to do is have somebody hang around us long enough and they'll adopt our thinking and our way of life and pretty soon somebody's completely co-opted into a street gang. Well, the same thing is true in our relationship with Christ. We can choose to abide in the wrong things and the wrong places and Jesus invites us to abide in him, to study his word, to get in a faith group, to talk to somebody else about our faith, to pray with our friends, to pray when we're concerned about something, to listen to Jesus. A number of years ago, David and Laura were dating and they were in college in Ohio. And I still remember David letting me know that They found a new church they were going to be involved with. That A guy named Simon Forsythe had come to the college where they were. And David had heard him talk about planting a new church. And they were fascinated by this guy, Simon, because he and his wife were both from Australia. And they were planting a vineyard. And so David and Laura decided to get involved with their church. Now, what's fascinating is when Regina and Todd and I would go visit, we didn't just go to their church. David and Laura abided in the home of Simon and Mel and their children enough that they babysat the kids, they spent enough time with the family, that every time we went out, Simon and Mel would always have us over for dinner. So we also got to know them pretty well. But what became apparent to me is during that time, my son and my future daughter-in-law were deeply affected by this pastoral couple that had taken them into their home and, and had discipled them, and met with them, and shared their faith with them, and shared how they were parents, and all kinds of different things. Well, Simon and Mel were a pretty amazing couple, and also the stuff that they know about growing a church. They came to America, they started a little congregation, I don't know, the church is probably up to five, six hundred people. But something tragic happened a couple of years ago. Simon was over in Europe, and he was there for a sabbatical, and I guess he had a blood clot that went to his lungs, and he died. And there's a lot of times when I get stuck with something that I think, man, I'd like a different perspective. And I'll ask David, and I ask him this all the time, what would Simon do? And he's always able to tell me. You see, Simon died, but David and Laura spent enough time with Simon and Mel that I literally have never found an issue that I've wanted to ask Simon about that David can't answer for me because he goes, oh yeah, I remember when Simon told me about that. You see what happens when we dwell, when we abide in something? We get affected by it. We know it. So much so that even if a pastor or a friend isn't with us anymore, if we've really spent time with them and listened to them and got to know them, then we can represent them to others. Get what that is about Christ? That's how relationship Jesus wants to have with you. So that you get to the point where you and I know how Christ would live because we know him personally. We study his word. We listen to him. We pray to him. We bring our concerns and our burdens to him. Listening starts with his word and talking to Christ. Not talking about talking about, but talking to him. We can all say, oh, I'll pray for you. But do we then stop and pray for the person? Do we stop and say, Heavenly Father, thank you for opportunity to pray for my friend who's sick. Jesus, I just thank you that you're going to be with them today. Just give them comfort. In your name we pray, amen. So that's a relationship. It's personal. And then we start listening to Christ as opposed to all the other things we're listening to. All the things that are vying for your attention. Because when we do, Jesus says we get a freedom. We have freedom. Having a relationship with Jesus is different than other relationships because some relationships can be pretty exhausting, but a relationship with Jesus gives us freedom. Listen again what he tells us in our, in our Bible this morning. Verse 32, bite in me, listen to me, get connected with me, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Verse, 32, verse 36 says, And if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus sets us free. If you really have a close relationship with Jesus, you are experiencing a freedom. And folks, if we are not experiencing a freedom, let's realize we're probably not listening to Jesus. Do you hear that? If we're carrying tons of burdens and problems and anxieties, and there's all kinds of stuff that's constantly mulling on our minds, and we're like, how come I can't fix this, or why can't I solve this? Let's ask ourselves the question, am I really abiding in Christ? Am I really learning to turn things over to him? worry, doubt, despair, fear, all come from taking our will back. When we give it to Jesus, we give it to Jesus. When we turn stuff over to him and we have a close relationship with him, that we're listening to him and talking to him, when we give, it's gone. Jesus put it best when he said, I came that you might have life and might have it abundantly. Do you hear that? People come to me and they say, Pastor Sam, what's God's will for my life? Easy. Jesus tells you that you'd have an abundant life. I don't get it. Get to know him. You'll have an abundant life. He cares about you. He loves you. There's purpose in every single day as we talk to Christ because then we realize we're not in coincidental or accidental relationships. Everywhere we go, whatever we're doing, we're doing his work with a body of Christ. We get to share Christ's love to others, and we start having that abundant life that comes from a genuine listening relationship with our Savior. That's the truth. Jesus wants you to have an abundant life. But when we choose not to accept it, we don't receive the benefits. If I have a faith in Jesus it's not a personal faith and it's not about a relationship, but it's still really about me doing everything on my own and never turning stuff over to my Savior, I'm just going to carry all the burdens in my life. I often compare it to carrying rocks. You know, you can pick up a rock and you'll be okay, and you can pick up another rock and it can be okay. You can start putting rocks in your purses or your pockets but at some point those rocks are going to be more than you can take and at some point there's just going to be one too many rocks with christ we have a relationship with him we talk to him we listen to him and he takes the stuff from us he says my yoke is easy so we get to hand the stuff over to our savior our freedom then becomes freedom from guilt because all of a sudden we start realizing christ forgave us and i can let that stuff go and i can put it behind me And it's a freedom from broken relationships to realize that God is in everything that I do and I can trust him no matter what's going on. And it's a freedom from fear and from isolation. We're never alone. As long as we can be listening and talking and have that relationship, we're never alone no matter where we are. Are you experiencing a freedom from your relationship with Jesus? That's what he's inviting you to do. And the problem is if we don't listen, we don't get the freedom. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about how a number of years ago, when Regina and I got married, we moved out here to Massachusetts, and we went to Gordon-Conwell Seminary, and the summer before we came, we came out in the end of June, and we got to know two kids from our youth group in Indiana, and we invited them to come out with us. So these two middle school boys came and helped us move. You want an exciting adventure is bring two kids from Indiana to Massachusetts. Well, everything was different for them out here, because these were farm kids. They'd never experienced the mountains. They hadn't really spent much time in a city, so we took them into Boston. And then we decided to take them up camping, and our family campground is a Dolly Cop campground. It opened in the 1920s. My grandparents used to go to it. My dad used to be involved with going up there, and Regina and I started um, at our honeymoon and then continued many, many times over the years to, to go and to camp there. And so we decided to take these kids to Dolly Cop Campground. So we get the boys in the car, we drive them up, and they are like just amazed at the mountains because they'd never seen the mountains in New Hampshire before. And then we set up our tent and their tent, and they go, we're not sleeping in that. And we said, why not? They go, there's bears. The bears will eat us. I said, you don't have to worry about the bears. There will be no bears eating us. Oh, yes, they will. We will get eaten by bears. We go, you're not going to get eaten by bears. These kids would not listen to us. And then they said, how about if we sleep in your tent? And we said, we got a little tiny pup tent. We're not going to have two middle school kids sleeping in our pup tent with us. So finally, we all go to bed that night, and Regina and I are sound asleep at about 2 o'clock in the morning. We can hear the kids holding pans, and they had taken a wooden spatula, and they were banging their pots. We yelled over, would the two of you go to sleep? We wake up in the morning and we said, wow, that was a great night's sleep. And the two kids said, we didn't get get any sleep all last night. The bears were there all night. We could hear, they were clawing at our tent. We said, you guys would not listen to us. Those are called mice. There is no freedom if we don't listen. If we're stuck in our own heads, we're like middle school kids up in the mountains of New Hampshire thinking the bears are after us well a couple squirrels are crawling up our tent but if we listen there's a freedom there's a freedom in hearing no that's not the truth there's a different reality And there's a freedom better than Stan and Regina explaining to you just the basics of camping in Dolly Cop Campground. There's a benefits of Jesus giving us the freedom of his words and absorbing a new way of looking at this world because abiding in Christ allows us to hear the truth instead of the nonsense that goes in between our two ears. We're constantly filling ourselves with these thoughts and these predictions and these ideas that just are not true and are not based on reality. And what Christ wants us to do is to listen to him and turn it over and to quit worrying and to quit stewing about everything and realizing that he cares about us and realize that he wants us to have the best life and to live a life in abundance. So when we learn the value of listening to Jesus and we start experiencing the freedom that comes from knowing Jesus, we can start letting go of stuff in our life. Because, you know, that's where we really get ourselves messed up on. We hold on to all of these things and we wonder why our life doesn't get better. And yet the text tells us very clearly, verses 34 and 35, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave doesn't remain in the house forever. The sun remains forever. I've got to be honest, I love talking about sin because usually people say, Oh, no, you can't talk about sin in the 21st century. People don't want to hear that. Well, we talk about it because it's in the Bible. And the Bible teaches us that we all sin. And the sin, the word sin, isn't even a scary word. It's actually an archery term. And I've said it before that it was used for the archer who would try to hit the bullseye and they'd miss the bullseye and therefore they were sinning. They did not reach perfection. And last time I checked, in Faith Community Church, we are yet to have a perfect person. There's not any one of us that gets it right 100% of the time. Amen? We mess up. We sin. We're not perfect. And yet what Jesus teaches us is once we understand that we mess up, we can be forgiven. And Jesus says we can actually, poieo, we can actually practice our doing it wrong. We can either let go or we can practice the wrong thing over and over again. Truly I say to you, he says, everyone who practices missing the bullseye will get really good at missing the bullseye. Truly I say to you, Whatever we practice, we get good at. So if we practice the wrong things, we get really good at doing the wrong things. So if you want to become a really great worrier, don't listen to Jesus. Just practice worrying. You'll worry better than anybody else in your block. If you want to be negative, just practice being negative. Just get angry all the time. Just just drive down here. Gotta, here we can all do this this next week. Let's all get in our cars and get mad at everybody that's on the road. We will be such a grumpy congregation next week when we get together because we will really practice at being negative and cynical and getting upset with everybody. Because Jesus tells us that if you practice at it, you become really good at it. I remember back when I played high school basketball with a coach, Doug Groth, and I didn't realize what a great coach he was. He ended up being the winningest coach in the upper Midwest. We're all proud of that, Doug Died a few years ago. He won more basketball games as a high school coach than anybody else from Nebraska, Minnesota, all that whole area. I was privileged to to have Doug Groth as my coach. When I was a freshman on the basketball team, the first thing that Doug Groth pointed out to me is, Stan, when you shoot your shot, your elbows out, I want you to learn to put your elbow down. Now, that sounds really easy, but I'd practiced my whole life having my elbow out here. I got really good at shooting the basketball wrong. So when I was playing a basketball game, if I'd forget, Doug Groth would just go like this on the sideline, and I'd remember, put your arm down. You see, what we practice, we get good at. Making sense? What we practice, we get good at. And Jesus says, if you practice doing the wrong thing, we're going to get really good at it. And he says, not only will we get good at it, we'll be slaves to it. Now, it's interesting that he talks about slaves, because we have our own concept of slavery, but slavery in the first century was a temporary situation where you were slave to something for a period of time until the debt was paid off. And so he's saying straight out that that slavery can be temporary. The slave doesn't remain in the house forever. But the son does. So what he's telling us is that if we abide in Christ and we get a new perspective, we can get rid of this stuff that has become practiced in our life, that we've done the wrong way, and we can finally be done with it and do it Jesus' way. And that's what I desire for us as a congregation, to have that relationship with Jesus so we start living his way in the way that he wants us to put it into practice. The problem is we come up with all of our excuses and we say, well, Maybe that would have been a good message for me if it would been years ago, but Pastor Stan, I've done it wrong all these years and there's no hope for me now. That's not true at all. Learning to abide in Christ and listening to him and let go and having the truth set us free is not about how long we've done it, but it's about the quality of how we have that relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus can change our perspective at any moment. That's why one of my favorite stories is The Thief on the Cross, The Bible tells us that Jesus is crucified and there's two guys with him. And the one guy is a hardened, just angry person. He's learned really well to be negative and bitter and he's just hurling insults at Jesus and everybody else who's there. And the other one, all of a sudden has a moment of clarity. And he looks at Jesus and something changes in his life. And he abides in Christ and he goes, oh my goodness, you're different. And at that moment, as the one person is being cynical and angry and yelling, the other one is like, what are you doing? This is, a, this is a perfect guy. We maybe deserve what we get, but he doesn't deserve anything. Now, at that moment, that thief on the cross, he could not have taught a Sunday school class at Faith Community Church, and he couldn't preach the sermon he couldn't go to a seminary and he couldn't tell anybody about any theological concept in the world but he abided in Christ for that moment and it completely changed his life because he had a new perspective and a new freedom that was given to him and that's what we're invited to quit thinking that it's about how long we've abided or how much we know or whether somebody else knows the bible better than us it's an invitation today to have a relationship with Jesus today to listen to him how he wants us to live how he wants us to think, how he wants us to talk to others, and that's what I'm inviting you this morning. It's not only about how long, but more importantly about the quality. Because Jesus knows that where we abide is going to make all the difference. And that's my question for Faith Community Church this morning. Where do you abide? What are you really listening to? Are we distracted by our phones and the busyness and and nonsense that's out there, or have we finally found the freedom that comes? It begins with forgiveness. It begins with realizing that Jesus forgives us. Absolutely essential. But it goes deeper than that, and that's what I'm inviting us to look at in our life. Let's learn to have that relationship with Christ where we abide in Him, and we listen to His truth, and we let go of the things we need to let go of. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and for your grace. We thank you for your goodness and the care that you have for each one of us. And we pray this morning that as we trust in you, that you would help us to go deeper in our relationship with you, that our listening wouldn't be to all those things that distract us, but would be to your words and how you want us to live. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.